The title of my message tonight is Places We Give to the Devil. And I get this from Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 27. It says, neither, it's interesting, it's the only, only thing in this verse that says, neither give place to the devil. How do we give place to the devil? How do we allow the devil to have a part of our life? Well, I think Paul gives some good definitions here. He starts out in verse 17, having vanity of your mind. Verse 18, it says they're having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. I think in the verse 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says what? But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are what foolishness unto them, neither can they know them. We talked about on Thursday night the idea of in Proverbs where it talks that basically a person that is evil, they can do nothing but do evil. Their love uh, of, of, of things that they do, they can't do away with it. I was talking to Brother Karecki this, today, and he was telling me how that <clears throat> before he was saved, he didn't feel wrong about doing some of the things that he was doing. He didn't feel wrong about doing drugs. He didn't feel wrong about uh, the immorality that he was doing. He had no wrong, but it's interesting. Once he did get saved and he accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, God changed his heart from that person that no longer cared about uh, his lifestyle of sin, but to someone that was, that was uh, convicted about sin. Listen to me. The Bible's very clear here that we as Christians should be someone different. We're no longer darkened, right? You ever walk through a room? Now, I have kids, and thank goodness, none, none of them are big fans of Legos. They might have Legos, but they lose them so fast, I don't know where they're at. But you know, ever walked in a room? Brother Glenn, did you ever do this? Walked into a room, and Zach, Zach, did you play with Legos? No? Kind of, sort of? My parents always had all kinds of sets of Legos. And I had micro machines, and in the middle of the night, I'm walking around, and I don't have my uh, flashlight, I don't have a light turned on, and boom, I step on one of those Legos. Boy, does that hurt. Your boys never did that, did they? Leave Legos, yeah? And I, and I think about that specifically when it comes to the unsaved. They walk around, and they don't know what they're bumping into. They don't know what they're getting their, their, their life involved with. So before long, their life is a mess, and they say, how do I get there? How do I get out of it? They have no understanding. They have no hope. The Bible says having their understanding dark and being alienated from the life of God through ignorance. Listen to me. The Bible is very clear, Christian. You've got to be careful that you're not alienating yourself from God. Don't walk the way the Gentiles walk. Don't walk the way that the unsaved walk. Listen, God's expecting you to walk a little bit differently. Don't give place to the devil. The blindness of the heart. It says in verse 19, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. What is lasciviousness? I hope some of my kids, anybody know what lasciviousness? I mentioned it. Anybody know what lasciviousness means? My wife, the Bible scholar, go ahead. Looseness. What is looseness? Boy, if you have any idea you've ever heard, it used to be an old phrase that they talk about a lady that didn't have morals. She was what? Loose. Loose. That comes from this idea of lasciviousness. we got to be careful as Christians that we're not doing things. Our looseness, our morals should be what? Kept to a certain level. We don't do things because we're afraid of uh, the police. We don't do things because we're afraid that someone might look at us and say, oh, right? We do things because we love Jesus Christ. 
As Brother Karaki mentioned this morning that we do things because He first loved us. And as you look at yourself and you say, man, I, 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 I don't want to be like this. Are you acting like the unsaved? Not only do they work on lasciviousness or looseness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. Really, the basis of all sin is a sense of selfishness. You can walk around and say, boy, I want to help others. But if you're just trying to get recognition from someone else, you're just being what? Selfish. Why do people do what they do? Why do they do drugs? Because they want to fulfill their needs. Why do people commit adultery? Because the man or woman wants to fulfill his or her needs. Why do, why do people go out and, and uh, live a party lifestyle? Because it's helping them. Nobody goes out and parties because they want to enjoy their life or help someone else, I mean. They do it to enjoy themselves. In verse 20, it gives some understanding here. But ye have not so learned Christ. Christ is not any of these things, is he? He's a totally different thing that you have to deal with. In verse 21, if so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust. You say, Brother Harold, what's the old man? Are you talking about my dad? No. And that's derogatory. You shouldn't say that about your father. Your father raised you. Hopefully he was a good father. Amen. Amen, Zach. Amen. But you listen, the old man's talking about the way you used to be. Before you accepted Christ as your Savior. You should be a different person. You shouldn't walk in the same lust of the flesh that you had before. It says, if you have so heard him and have been taught, the truth is in Jesus. Which, in verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Verse 24. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Verse 25. Wherefore, put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more. But rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed in the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away with you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Listen to me. There are some multiple things that, the, that we give ourselves over to, to the devil in. One of those first things I'm going to talk about, I got five things altogether. The first thing, I'm sorry, four things altogether that we can give ourselves over to, and that is our speech. Our speech. Colossians chapter 4 verse 6 says, Let your speech be always with grace. Season with salt that you may know how to answer every man. Listen, your mouth. Listen to me, kids. Your mouth is a huge factor in how you treat others. Tell you what, today our society has been given freedom from the consequences of being rude. You get on Facebook, you get on any type of social media, and you'll find people saying things that are so ugly and so uh, uh, hurtful. I'm so glad that I did not grow up with social media. I'm so glad that I was already married and had one child before social media became prevalent. You know why? 
Because social media gives people freedom to walk all over other people without any consequences. Half those people would not say those things if they stood in front of that person. Why? Because they're given freedom. Oh, I can say whatever I want to say. The Bible says that your speech should be always with grace, seasoned with salt. Listen, it should not be when you're speaking that people are offended. It should not be when you speak they're offended because of what? You. Now, they might be offended because of the gospel. They might be offended because of your preaching against sin or you talking about something they need to change in their life. But it should always be done with love. People think that, well, I shouldn't judge people. Matthew chapter 7 says, judge not, right? Unless thou be judged, right? The same measure, right? So what does that mean? I've got to be careful what I'm saying to other people. If I'm not living right, guess what? You're going to be judged with that same judgment. I'm getting kind of off the beaten path here. What I'm trying to say is to make sure your speech is something seasoned with grace. You can walk around, you can say things that are uh, not glorifying to God. The Bible says that uh, every word that comes out of our mouth, we're going to give account to it for. You walk around, you say bad things, you say things that are not glorifying to God. It says here, wherefore put away lying, speak every man truth to his neighbor. What else does it say? Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. I can find a lot of times that young people, and they're, excuse me girls, a lot of times they'll say things and do things that are not edifying. Their attitude says, well, I, I, I can say this because this person, it's the truth. Listen to me. Just because it's the truth doesn't make it right. You have to be careful what you say. There are things that you can say that could, what, turn people away from God. I know of a preacher that used to get up and preach a message, and he would say things that were so unedifying that people would walk away and never want to hear him again. Not because he was preaching the gospel, but instead he was so, what, angry and bitter. People would walk away just not wanting to listen because they were caught up in what he said and not what the Holy Spirit was saying to them. we got to be careful with our speech. Our soundness of speech. What does that mean, Pastor? What does soundness of speech mean? Listen to me, our doctrine should be correct. Don't go out spouting things that you have no idea what you're talking about. Turn your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 10. We give our speech over to the devil when we give out unsound doctrine. It says in verse 10, it's for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, if there be anything that is contrary to sound doctrine. Be careful that what you're saying lines up with God's word, right? Be careful what you're saying. You're advising people on. It lines up with what God says. Don't take God's word. Don't answer any man unless you have God's word. If you don't understand it, you don't understand what God's mind on it, don't say anything. Because guess what's going to happen? Your speech is going to betray you. If you're not living by faith and you're not doing God's will, people are going to say, oh, you told me this and you told me that. It's going to come back to bite you. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 3, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Titus chapter 1 verse 9 says, Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, 
that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Titus chapter 2 and verse 1. But speak thou the things which, shall, which become what? Sound doctrine. You, what you say come out of your mouth, better line up with God's word. Don't allow for Satan to give place so that he can allow for someone to say, oh, you said this and you said that, right? Well, that's not right. Third thing that I find that we give place in our speech is, is the simplicity of our speech. Sometimes we talk out of the double-tongued, double right? What does that mean? We basically go around saying one thing and doing another. we got to be careful what we're saying is matching with what we walk with. What we're saying is not something that's petty or, or angry, but we're saying things with God in mind. How our spirit aligns with that. There's a way that you can say something, right? You moms out there, you know how it is. Now your children do something that's wrong. What do you do? Pick up those clothes! Or you can say, honey, could you please pick up those clothes? All right. There's two ways to do it, right? You could say, hey, hey, you're talking to your wife and you, and you husbands out there and you're talking to your wife and you're saying, hey, you know what, honey, as this food tastes awful, right? Well, you just you just hit the jackpot, jackpot, didn't you, honey? You just really got a real winner on your hands. But you know what? You could say something in the same line and give her the same understanding. You know, I, I've had to learn that in my my marriage. I've had to learn to be careful how I say things. Because it can be offensive and it can what? Not edify my wife. I've had to tell her, look, I look at her and say, if there's something that doesn't taste right, it's freezer burnt. And that's happened a few times, right, honey? But you, you, eat, you eat that freezer burnt? Oh, man, that don't taste good. So what do you say? You say, honey, ah, this is gross. I don't want to eat this. You know what else my kids are doing? They're watching me. They're watching me. And they're saying, Oh, well, Daddy says this is awful, so I can complain too. Right? No, I can say, honey, you know, you might want to check this again. Or you might want to put some more seasoning on it. I'll put something else out there that just kind of gets her attention. You know what? Sometimes I'll just take her side, love on her. I says, hey, honey, the, the meal was good, but you know what? This, this, oh, it, don't cook this again. This is not great. Yeah, it's not my favorite. Why? Because I'm allowing my speech, what? To be sound doctrine. It's, it's not a, the simplicity of my speech. I'm not being double-tongued. I'm being careful how I speak. I'm not being haughty in how I speak. The Bible says in the last part here, he says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and what? Evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Too many times in Christian homes, and I'm not just saying, I'm not just beating up on the Christian tonight. Listen to me. If you're unsaved here, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, listen to me. There is no uh, evidence of salvation in your life. You've never put your faith and trust in Christ. Listen to me. All these things that I talk about tonight are going to be worthless to you. You know why? Because you don't have the Holy Spirit that dwells in you and reminded you of these things. But the Bible is very clear that we've got to watch our evil speaking. We're not to be petty in how we speak. You know, sometimes I saw the other day, this meme, it was talking about the, a man and how he translates things that his wife may say. And a while ago, I don't know how long ago I saw this, but they had this thing called the man's, tra uh, uh, what is it, man's translator or uh, something like that. And, and uh, the wife, would, he says, I'm going to go out golfing. And the wife looks at him and says, that's fine. And he says, what should I, and he talks to him and he says, what did she say? 
And the, and the man's translator comes back and says, not fine! Uh, and it's exactly true, right? A lot of times ladies don't want to say the things that's really on their heart. Sometimes they talk to their husbands in a way that just doesn't uh, edify. They're not really saying the things that they need to say, but we need to be careful in our simplicity of our speech. That our speech is not of a haughty speech. Our speech is not of something that, hey, well, he shouldn't do that. Or I should, uh, he should be different. No, your spirit should say, man, how can I love my husband and explain to him, I don't care for that. You children need to be careful on how you talk to your mother or your father. How do you talk to your coworkers? Listen to me. You can give place to the devil in the way you talk to your coworkers. People know. I have this guy at work. I think I've already told you about this guy. But uh, he calls when you call him on the phone, he always acts like uh, 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 that's the worst thing you've ever done. I call him and say, hey, this is uh, Harold Teasdale. My tech number's, oh, hi, Harold. And literally, this, this spirit is just dripping with, I hate my job. I hate you. Please get out of my life. Oh, Harold, what can I do for you, Harold? Then there's another guy. He gets on the phone and he says, hi, how you doing? What can I do for you today? There's a different spirit there, isn't there? There's some soundness in his speech. Second place that we can give our place to the devil is in our minds. Listen, the unsaved, they basically are involved completely. Their center of their thought, understanding, and belief, and their motives and actions are all revolved around them. When a person becomes a Christian, God gives them a completely new spiritual and moral capability that, that is a mind apart from Christ could never achieve. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 through 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 16. My, but it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, or entered into the heart of man, the things, make sure I'm in the right verse, hold on. Yes, I'm in the right place. Okay. But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, nor hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not that Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. And this is the verse I gave you earlier. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are in foolishness unto him. Neither can they know them, because they are not spiritually they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth. Uh-oh. Boy, that kind of conflicts some of the people out there. What does Matthew chapter 7 say? Judge not, right? What does it say here? But he that is spiritual judgeth all things. Ooh, yet he himself is judge of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him that we have the mind of Christ? When you get saved and you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, God gives you a new mind. But listen to me, even though you're saved and even though you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, we need to understand something. The devil can set up rent-free in your mind. Do you know that? There are people that are consistently, I'm saying Christians, that are consistently controlled by the devil. Every day, all day. You say, oh brother, that's just for the devil worship. And that's for the people that's in heavy sin and they're in heavy drugs or they're in heavy type of immorality. No. 
The person that's the Christian has the same problem. You can allow for the devil to set up rent-free in your mind. How does he do that? Well, there's a couple ways. Number one, he allows to dwell in your mind by what? Dwelling on the evil instead of the goodness of God. Many times people walk around and they say, Oh man, how you doing? I heard an old preacher say one time, he'd ask the young preacher boy how he's doing. And he says, well, according to the circumstance, under the circumstances, I'm doing okay. He says, what are you doing under the circumstances? What are you doing under there for? And as a Christian, we need to be careful that we're not allowing ourselves to dwell in just the evil that's happening in the world. You can sit there all day long and you can watch the news and you can allow for your spirit to what just be... Uh, uh, compressed and oh, just awful, awful things. You look at the rioting. You look at the danger. You look at the murder. You look at the killing. You look at the racism. You look at all that and you say, what? Oh, this is awful. The Bible says that we don't have the goodness of God bringeth what? Men to repentance. I love Brother Correct. I know I'm using his illustrations a lot, but boy, it meant a lot to me is what he said this morning. He said he sat there and he started thinking about all the good things that God had given him. Thinking of the fact I have a, a pillow to put my head on. I got a place to rest at night. I got a place to eat. I got a place to go home to. I could lose those. He was talking about also when he was out there in the mission field, there was four days that they didn't have running water. How many of us take for granted the running water that we have every day? Boy, I tell you what, we have a lot to thank, be thankful for. But if we allow for the devil, well, so-and-so's got this new thing, and boy, I wish I had that. Oh, man, I can't believe this person. They got a brand-new car. I wish I had that. Man, we're just nothing but the beginning of these verses. We're given over to greediness and covetousness. The Bible's very clear here. As Christians, we've got to be careful not to be what? Uh, letting the devil take place of, of the, uh, uh, letting us dwell on the evil. Second place the devil tries to do, he tries to what? Make us fall prey to the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. Man, there are so many things out there that can gravitate our attention. There are so many things. Listen to me, young men. And you say, Brother Harold, uh, uh, what do you mean? I'm talking about those billboards out there. I'm talking about those ads on the internet. Listen to me. Listen to me. They can gravitate your attention. They can destroy you. You get up on Facebook and you see some of the ungodliness that's going on there. Listen to me. You're going to see it. And if you dwell on it, guess what? That's the only thing you're going to think about. Images you shouldn't see. Images that no good Christian man would look at. Ladies, listen to me. We've got to be careful that we're not in covetousness. Now, ladies don't think the same way a man does, but you know what? There are a lot of things that a woman will think about. And they're just as ungodly. You're dwelling on things that you know you shouldn't. Maybe you wish your husband was a different person, or maybe you wish you had a, a different husband. Listen to me, that's not the way it should be. Whatever state I am, therewith to be what? Content. You walk around with that type of spirit, guess what? Yeah, you're going to have a bad spirit. You're going to have a spirit that allows the devil to take, uh, take up rent. Not only... Does the devil want to set up in your mind to give you that lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes? But the devil also wants to take up room in your mind by the fact that he realizes that you, he keeps reminding you you're not worthy of what God's given you. And listen to me, you're not. Anybody here think that they're worth, worthy of heaven? 
I'm not. I'd say I'm the opposite. I'm worthy of hell. I don't have no any, any inkling of understanding how good God is except for the fact that I know that He loved me and that He saved me and He washed my sins away. And I look at what God's done for me and boy, I tell you what, I'm just falling even more in love with what He's done for me. But as a Christian, listen to me, if you're just dwelling on your past and you say, oh, I failed God again, oh... You get all down in the mouth. Oh, I can't believe this happened to me. God, I'm not worthy of this. I'm just going to quit. God, I can't, I can't live the Christian walk. I keep failing you. I'm going to quit. If that's your spirit, listen to me. The devil's got, he's got control over your brain. He's got control over your mind. He's allowing for you to what? Dwell on the evil. You've got to be careful that you're not allowing yourself to be given over, to given place to the devil. Not only does the devil give place to our minds, but listen to me, the devil will give place in our spirit. I was talking about spirit-controlled woman, right? Can anybody tell me what's some spirit that you can have? Zach, do you have what's a good spirit? Can you tell me what some things a good spirit does? Boy, smack him upside the head, Brother Glenn. Maybe that, I know, it's a college student. Brother Andrew, what? Yeah, the fruits of the spirit, right? <laughs> Pretty easy there. Zach, fill me. I'm going to have to call the dean of students and tell him you've got some problems, okay? You need to give him extra, I know, you need to give him some extra time in, in, in Bible. Oh, it's a head injury. Now he's blaming on a head injury. I'll pray for Zach. He's got a head injury now. Uh, but no, listen to me. As Christians, our spirit is important. Why? Because it says a lot about who we are. I think about Jesus when he went to the cross. What did he do? You know, I see some of these boys, I see some of these people that are getting arrested by the police. Don't get me wrong. Some of those police can be a little bit overzealous in, in their job. But they, they, have a, they have an important job, don't they? Hard job, right? they got to make some determinations that if you're not a Christian, it would be really hard. And here they're out there doing these things. But boy, some, some people, they just don't understand. They have authority to do what they're doing. You resist it. Fight it in court. Don't fight it there in the street. Boy, I tell us, I see some of these videos, boy, people getting tased and getting uh, beat by batons. I'm thinking, whew. I just say, okay, uh, I'm good. Yeah, just go ahead, put me in the squad car. We'll fight in court, right? Listen to me. Your spirit is important. How you dwell with things. When Jesus went to the cross, how did he do it? The Bible says that he went as a lamb to the slaughter. Lamb doesn't know what's going on. I'm sorry, but sheep are dumb. Okay, and they do dumb things. They'll go let right to the slaughter. They say that literally, you take the lead sheep. You get one sheep. I remember my dad telling this story. Of course, he was the farmer, and he used to work with uh, sheep on the farm. And he said that he used to have this old farmer that would have to take sheep to get sheared. Right? You know what he would do? He'd take that lead sheep. He'd take one of the sheep. He says none of the sheep would go under the truck. So what he do? He, no, that's probably not a good thing to do, but he would take one of those sheep and he would just throw it into the truck. You know what happened? They would all follow behind. Now, that sounds like a funny story, but listen to me. When a sheep goes to slaughter, listen, a lamb goes to slaughter, it doesn't know what's going on. It's just following, following along. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He loved us, he died for us, and he had a good spirit. The Bible says when he reviled, he re when he was viled, reviled, he reviled not again. 
As Christians, we got to be careful that our spirit is not one of anger and bitterness and uh, clamor and evil speaking. Anger is the seed of bitterness. You go to bed in the night, and it even says here, turn your, uh, I think here in Ephesians, it says, Be ye angry and sin not, let not the sun go down on your wrath. When you get angry at someone, I don't care what it is a spouse, a child, a mom, a dad, a friend, a co-worker, and you go bad, and you go to bed angry, it just makes it worse. I don't know if my wife's not in here, but she told me she was listening. Or no, maybe someone else was telling me this. They were listening to a podcast, and they were saying that when you go to bed, it's interesting, when you go to bed, that one thought, whatever it may be, becomes a more permanent thought. It switches, switches positions. No longer is it a fleeting thought. Now it becomes something more permanent. And he says, if you go to bed with that anger, you're going to get up with bitterness because it's just switched sides. I don't know how true that is. I'm not a psychiatrist and I'm not a doctor. But I will tell this, the Bible's true. When it says not to let your ang- let the sun go down upon your wrath, you better be careful what you're doing. If your spirit, the Bible says, be angry and sin not. How do you do that? The Bible says that anger is what? It's wrong, isn't it? It's an emotion. It's going to be something that you're going to use in your life. You're going to be angry at people. You're going to be angry. I tell you what, sometimes you get a hold of some customer service people on the phone and they don't even know how to talk to you. And they just don't help you with your problems and you just want to get angry. Don't let it happen. It's quick, quick. Quell that spirit. Say, God, I need your help. Well, I tell you what, I'm a very, very, very high-tempered person. I've had asked Jesus to, I remember, I don't mind, I've told you this story once. I remember one time when I was, we were first, me and my wife were first married. She she had all these, I don't know if Chloe was first born or we were just, we were just thinking about getting clothes or something. There's all these baby toys in my garage. And if you know my garage, because it's mine, okay? It's my what? I got five girls and I have one place in the house to, to put my stuff, okay? And I've, I've created it to be my special place. You might say it's called the man cave. And you don't put stuff in my garage. I always tell my wife, is it garage worthy? And I remember I just got this garage. I was... You know, happy with it. And I remember seeing all these baby jumpers and, you know, those, all the things, you know, the little walkers and all the stuff that come with baby paraphernalia. It was all over my garage. And I got the, the anger got the best of me. Chloe, don't listen. Anger got the best of me and I threw those baby toys. We have parent, we have steps going down the basement. I just threw them down the basement. I was so angry. Well, how could she do this to me? Right? Listen to me. The Spirit of God says that's not how I should operate. The Spirit of God says, boy, I I need to be careful how I treat my wife. I need to be careful. There could have been a better way of dealing with that. I could have shown the love of Jesus Christ a better way and been a better example. As Christians, we got to be careful that we're not giving over to bitterness. Unfettered emotions allow for the devil to have a permanent visit. You allow your flesh to get the best of you. I was as a Christian boy, I tell you what, you wonder why people murder people? It's for this very reason. They allow their emotions to get the best of them. 
They allow their emotions to tell them and dictate to them what they need to do. Why? Because they're not allowing the Spirit of God to be a part of their life. They're allowing their flesh to tell them exactly how to live and what to do. Whatever their flesh tells them to do, they do it. Your spirit to your spouse, to your children, to your mom, your dad will suffer permanent damage in your relationship if you allow for your emotions to be unfettered. Zach, he's over here. Hopefully someday Zach gets married. Right? Lewis back there, someday he's going to get married. Boy, I tell you what, as a man, you got to be careful that you're not allowing for your emotions to get the best of you. You little girls, think about this for a second. You're preparing for your future. You're preparing for what God's going to give you. If you're allowed when your sister angers you and tells you something, boy, and you get mad at them and you, you throw a fit, listen to me, you're going to do the same thing to your husband someday. You've got to be careful. Don't allow your emotions to get the best of you. We must be renewed in our mind when it comes to the spirit of others. The Bible says in verse 22, if so be if you heard him and have taught of, I'm sorry, verse 21, have been taught by him as the truth in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the seedful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of the mind, and ye put on the new man which is created in righteousness and true holiness. What does that mean? That means you literally get up in the morning and you're thinking no longer the thoughts of the old man. You're putting on the new man. I'm a different person now. I'm not going to live like I used to. It's going to take time. I'm not going to say you're going to be, uh, the Bible tells us to strive for the mastery. Nobody's going to ever be perfect till we get to heaven. But listen to me, you got to put it on in the morning. You get up and you're still working like the old man. You know, you kick the dog, gets up in the morning, it's howling. Kick the cat. Listen to me, God doesn't want that. Your spirit should be different. We must be spirit-controlled and not flesh-dictated. See, the unbeliever, they're not morally sensitive to what's going on. As they continue to sin and turn away from God, they become more and more apathetic to moral and spiritual things. You're saved. You're here. You know Jesus Christ is your Savior. If you're not, this is, this is exactly what's going to happen. How do you think the person that gets into some deep, deep trouble with the law, how do they get there? How do they get there? Reading a story the other day about one of the worst murderers in Britain prison. He was so bad that he had to put a glass cage around him. He grew up in a foster home where he was abused by his father for many years. One time his father locked him away for six months in a room. Never got to see the light of day for those six months. He stayed there the entire time. They only gave him a little bit of water, a little bit of food, but they would lock him up for that long. When he got to be old enough, he went and did his own thing. He went his own way. And listen to me, he got so angry at what his parents did, he thought, I'm going to rid the world of these evil people, these, uh, these child abusers. So what did he do? He started killing people that started doing those types of things. He let his flesh get the best of him. He got so angry and so mad. I'd see those people. He did awful things to them. They locked him up. He went on one day, said he was going to try to kill seven. Of course, he was in the worst place to be if he hated child abusers because there was a lot of them in the prison. One day he tried to kill seven other prisoners. 
He got so bad, they locked him away for 40 years in solitary confinement. Because anytime he got out, he would try to kill anybody that was he thought was a child abuser. And you know what his motivation was? Every time that he would kill someone, the only thing he could think about was, I'm killing my mom, I'm killing my dad over and over again. That's some messed up thinking. But how did he get that way? How did he allow himself to become that type of person? It's because he literally allowed for his spirit, he allowed for his spirit to take over. And it didn't get any better, did it? It just got worse and worse and worse and worse. And the more that he did what he thought was right, the worse he got. Listen to me, Christian. The more that you try to do what's right, God's going to bless. The more that you try to fix the solution with your own solutions, the worse off you're going to be. Lastly, not only do we give place to the devil in our spirit, but we give place to the devil in our hearts. Our understanding will be darkened. Listen, an unsaved person, a person that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior, listen to me, they don't understand this stuff. I hope you come to church with a renewed spirit, a renewed uh, vision for what you can do for your Christian walk. Listen, as you get here and you get excited, listen to me, it should be, boy, I can't wait to get something from God's Word this week. I can't wait to read my Bible. I can't wait to pray. If you have no desire to do those things, you might start asking yourself why. Why don't I have this desire? Maybe it might be the fact that you're have so much sin that your understanding is darkened, as the Bible says here. And you walk around thinking that you know something's important, but because you've had so much sin in your life, God's not spreading the light of His love around in your life. So you're walking around, just like I gave the illustration earlier about walking on those Legos. It's exactly what's happened with you. You know, have no discernment. You have no understanding because God's not a part of your life. And the only thing that you're receiving right now is the punishment of God for the judgment of what you're doing. Step, take a step back and say, why can't I understand? It says we are alienated because of our darkened spirit. What does it mean to be alienated? But you know, that's a big word. Esther, what's alienated mean? You don't know? Any girls down here know what it means? Brooklyn? What? Okay, that's a good Good care person. Isolated. Lewis Jr. What does alienated mean to you? Yes, exactly. You're separated from everything else, aren't you? Listen, when we don't serve God, we don't live for God, we don't do God's will, we become alienated from everything God wants us to do. What God wants us to be, how God wants us to operate. we got to be careful that we're not giving ourselves over to the devil. Here's some things that I want to take from this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. We were already there. It talks about the spiritual darkness of the natural man. But turn to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. What happens to the Christian who knows what's right but decides not to do it? Verse 21 says, But they, that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. And in their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise. What does it say? They became fools. And changed the glory of an uncorruptible God into an image made like to a corruptible man, and to birds, and to four-footed beasts, and creeping things. 
Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their heart, own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forevermore. Listen, when you don't want to retain God in your knowledge, when you don't want to put God as the center focus of your life, eventually you're going to be what? Disillusioned. Not just disillusioned, but boy, you're going to be given over to some inherently corrupt ideas. You say, how can people do the things that they do? You look at some of these murders. You see some of these people that do some awful things. You say, how do they get to that point? It's right here. They don't want to retain God in their knowledge. They want to keep doing the things that they're doing and, and feel happy about doing them. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 7. They become blind. They get to a point where they're like a, they're like a heart as a rock. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 7. Everybody's there before I get there. That's why I write down the scriptures because I'm awful about them. 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 7. It says here in verse 6, For this sort, let's start back a little bit. This knowing last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despise. Oh, wait a minute. I had to stop there for a second. Girls, what's incontinent mean? Oh, we had these in devotions. I explained this. What does incontinent mean? Anybody know what incontinent means? No control. Thank you. The nurse would know that. <laughs> but you know incontinent, listen to me. You see a kid that has no has a parent that doesn't discipline them, they got no control. I've seen kids, I've seen kids that look almost autistic because they have no control over themselves. They are literally just all over the place. You say, why is that? Because they don't have any discipline. In the same sense, this is what's going to happen. People that don't have any control over themselves. They're fierce, despisers of those that are good. Boy, it sounds a lot like today. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. And here's a good point. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Verse 6. For this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lusts. Here's the verse that I want to point out, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You can be the most smartest theologian in the world, but if you don't have Jesus Christ retaining your knowledge, if you don't have the love of God in your heart, you're going to have a hard time living your life according to what God wants you to do. Why? Because it's really up to Jesus Christ's love, Jesus Christ's spirit to change you to be what you need to be. I was talking, I think Brother Correct, he's coming up a lot, but had a good conversation with him. I was talking to him about the idea of uh, repentance and understanding what repentance is. And it's interesting because some people think, well, repentance is the idea of, of that you're turning to your from the, your sin to your to the Savior, and that is correct. I'm not dis disputing that. A lot of times, what people don't realize, it's not just the idea of turning from your sin. I'm not saying, brother Andrew, you need to. You know, when you get saved, oh, well, you need to quit drinking before you get saved. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you got to quit smoking before you get saved. God wants to save you right now. But like I said earlier, 
God will change your spirit towards that sin. If you see your sin as ugly, if you see your sin as wrong, as you see it's something that's just not right, God sees your heart. God knows your spirit. But if you're coming to God with a spirit that says, no, I'm right. I can do what I want to do. If you're like these people in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 7, and in Romans chapter 1, verses 21 through 24, you need to repent. Your spirit is, I just want to get knowledge. I want to learn more about God, but you don't want to do anything with God. You want to keep living in your sin and doing what you want to do. Listen to me, God's not happy with that. God can't use that. Let's stand together. I'm going to give a small invitation.